Hello and welcome to the best of 2020 episode of the On The Radar podcast. This is a podcast that features music, interviews, and studio performances from a Midwestern perspective. My name is Peapod, and what a year it's been, to say the least. We have suffered something that we never thought in the modern times would happen. A global pandemic, literally losing a year of our lives. But as long as we still have art and people wanting to improve the situations we are in and taking lemons and making them into lemonade, we are truly never lost. So, in this episode, we are going to look back at the top 10 most listened to episodes thanks to you all of the podcast that we released this year. And boy, did we release a button of episodes. Yes, I said button. That is a technical term. I say this is because we ended up doing a lot more interviews from home using programs like Zoom and other things and having you know guests record their part of the podcast and putting them on. And when I first started doing these home episodes, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm so used to being the guy that would just walk into something and it's already pre-set up for me. And then I can handle things on the back end afterwards. But setting up my own studio space of sorts was a little difficult. And if you listen to some of my episodes at the height of the pandemic uh, back in March and then listen to more, you can kind of hear the the better development sound-wise of everything. I ended up getting better cameras, better lighting, better microphones, things like that. So uh, we have a handful of great episodes, 10 to highlight, and most of them were done from right here in my home. So without further ado, here are the top 10 episodes, and we're going to play clips from each of them. Number 10. So we're going to kick off at number 10 with Chicago, Illinois artist Sharice Constantino, a.k.a. Nihilus Abyss. And this was one that I really enjoyed, and I connected with Sharice literally out of the blue. She liked uh, the profile she ran for her band page, liked one of our episodes uh, from another Chicago artist, which actually the, the other Chicago artist I'll talk about is part of the top 10, and we'll we'll get to that later on. Um, and I just checked out her music. I slid into her DMs, and uh, not only that, but she was so nice to talk to. And we also debuted one of her songs before it, was, it hit streaming uh, networks uh, called Necromancy. And Necromancy deals with death and the death of her father. So in this clip, uh, we kind of talk about the idea of how death is such a major factor in everyone's lives, whether you realize it or not. Death is a part of like everyday life, you know, in some form or another, whether it's you're literally like looking at the taco that you're eating for dinner, like death had to happen in some way for the taco that you're eating. So it's like, it almost always seems weird that like it affects you, like people as much as it does, but like it's, it's I don't know, it's serious and definitely messes with your headspace in a way even despite being like totally normal and natural and an everyday occurrence. Yeah, I get, I totally get it. It's, uh, it's very interesting. And it's funny to me when, you know, the, the ideals and like the discussions on social media and everything tend to go a little bit and like making fun of like what's going on in the world and like social issues and everything going towards more of a nihilistic attitude. 
I mean, it, it's like, oh, everything's fucked. Might as well make fun of it and just keep on going, you know. And and, and it's a it's a rough attitude, it's a rough world to, but it's an easy world to get sucked into. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I definitely probably have some like real nihilist tendencies, you know. Like at the end of the day, like we're all on this big round orb, and like, yeah, obviously things matter, but sometimes you know things really just like don't matter, like. For the most part, like, if you're not hurting anybody else, you know, do what you want. Um, and another reason I think I chose that for Nihilist Abyss is to kind of almost, like, in a way, excuse myself if, like, maybe, like, the next EP cycle, I don't want to do something dark. Maybe I want to do, like, a pop EP, you know? So in a way, it's like, well, nothing matters. Music is music. Let's do it. Um, so I haven't ruled that kind of stuff out yet. Saving it in my pocket for to use as, as an excuse. I mean, and, and with, you know, you got, you know, four, you'll have four songs here, you know, that's technically could be an EP, but like, where is the direction? Where are you writing towards, uh, in some of the music, uh, that, that you said, you said you had stuff in the, in the, in the background right now, brewing up right now. Where's the direction you're taking all this? Yeah, I mean, I always have like 8 million directions and about a thousand unfinished songs on my like external hard drive that I should probably finish one day. And they're all different in their own ways. I think they all have that element of like heavy on the synths. Um, I think that for the most part, the piano is always going to make, um, for, in some way it's going to make an appearance um, simply because I, I feel it's such an expressive instrument um, and it's so easy to like, say what you want without using like words or language through that. Um, but, you know, I originally planned on doing a four track EP. Um, and then I realized, first of all, how expensive it is to really get your music professionally produced and mixed and mastered. Um, and I was like, okay, well, if I drop a four track EP, then like, that's it. Then I've got to like, wait and like pick and choose through the other songs that I have and like okay like which one should I work on which ones do I work on next and then there could be a big gap so like why not take the four and just space them out and I feel like so many other artists are going like that singles route anyways um where it's like all right well that'll work so um that's kind of where I've been with these four songs Number nine. Coming in at number nine was the band from Indiana, Shipwreck Carpathos. And that was one of the great post-rock acts that we actually interviewed this year. We interviewed a lot more post-rock acts than ever before. And being a fan of that style of music and getting to interview a lot of these people that I've connected with over the last couple of years when I got into this world of post-rock and checking out the Post Festival and all of that, uh, it was really cool to give a lot of these bands uh, the opportunity to, for a platform to talk to them about their music when they couldn't necessarily travel and showcase some of that music. Shipwreck Carpathos is such a interesting act and such so much fun doing that episode um and you can tell how much fun we have when in the middle of the episode we had to stop and talk about one of the members and the sick ass lava lamp he received and bought for himself as a congratulation gift for graduating grad school dude Fucking congrats you, man you can't man i can't even tell you it it was amazing. I bought it. I bought a futon even, but I realized it didn't come with a mattress, so I got to get a mattress. So, 
<laughs> I'm just sitting on some pillows right now. As a celebration for finishing grad school, you bought Yeah, I didn't have any furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I was super confused where you were going with that. He's like, yeah, I just bought this futon. Like, no, what? I've, never owned, I've never owned any furniture. I also bought this sick-ass lava lamp. <laughs> oh god damn it that, that's a pretty sick ass uh, <laughs> shit slaps oh that's fucking excellent I'll tell you something though I was trending the other day on Instagram I had a shot of my <laughs> sorry I just love using that term trending. I had I was playing guitar and I had the shot of the lava lamp and I hashtag lava lamp. That fucking lava lamp shared it. And they have like thousands of followers. Wait. <laughs> lava lamp is a brand? Yeah. Oh shit. I didn't know is that. Is like Q tips or band aid? They're they're yeah. like a lava lamp. Yeah. Night. Cool. Yeah, get the real deal or fuck off and get Yo, nothing. Can you, can you get us an endorsement from Lovely? <laughs> Dude, I'm not even joking. I'm trying to. I was going to exploit that shit and just carry my lava lamp around. With get, the, get them to make us lava lamp guitars. Like, Dude, I would be like body to it. Dude, just <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. It's so goddamn peaceful. <laughs> For those listening, Joel is just showing off his la- his dope ass lava lamp. Killing. Uh, it's it's nice. It's a nice lava think, lamp. I don't think that they realize that no one's gonna see the video. No, people will still see the video. We'll put oh, it up I thought on it was just Oh, I I'm the one that doesn't know what's happening then. So No, it's all right. I don't I do audio and then I do I put up the YouTube video if I for these home editions, if if the video is good, I will put the video up on Well, it's uh, super good because we have a Bitchin' Yo, lava lamp shot. We have a bitchin' lava lamp shot. <laughs> Dude, Hashtag I, don't lava lamp. We, I don't know if Dude. we needed the video until that shot, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so psychedelic, man. <laughs> so goddamn peaceful. So Yo, who, do you want, who do you want to do a remix? I want Clint Breeze to do a remix. Ooh. Cool. Oh, man. Fuck that would yeah. be um, Yeah, so I play in a hip-hop group, too, called Clippies in the Group. <laughs> the guy who... Uh, Wait, 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 wait. Let me stop. Wait. So, wait. You, you, you're a jazz. You're a master in jazz, but you play in a post rock band and a hip hop band. Yeah. And tell him about Elliot Bigger too. Yeah. Oh, and then I play in this other group with my sister in law, and she's like, she's crazy. She's right. She always like, yeah. She's just like, like, t- like, t- like metal, like mathy, like crazy just like like yeah she, she's actually going by juju star chaser now so um yeah be on the look for juju star chaser she's yeah she she's a crazy guitarist um but yeah so this guy clint breeze he, he's a he produces things and he has he's released a couple of his own solo albums we have one kind of album as a band or whatever and um he would be real fun to do a, a remake but man like i want to work with pillars too those guys blew me away um so much so i, I that's like if if they see this like we're not worthy you know number eight 
Coming in at number eight, it was another Illinois band that I spoke about back at number 10. And this was the episode that Nihilus Abyss, she liked this post about talking with this act. It's Broken Robots. Now, not only did I get connected with these people through Dean Tartaglia's Little Star PR, and if you haven't checked out Dean's work with either Rover or some of the other acts he has helped uh, put PR stuff for with Little Star PR, I highly recommend it. Great friend of the show, great friend and colleague uh, personally and professionally. Anyway, he got me hip to this uh, Illinois act, uh, Broken Robots. And what's very interesting is Tony and Kat Baker. They're married, but they first met become because they were both drug addicts. And not only are they now super clean, and now they're producing great music out of their home, and also recording people out of their home with other Illinoisan acts. Um, Illinoisan acts. I, it's really hard to say what it is. Anyway, with other Illinois acts. It's very interesting and in how intelligent and how they feel that the the uh, how former drug addicts are treated and how the you know justice system treats them and how we can improve everything and it seems very appropriate while we were talking about you know some sort of you know government reform right at the height of the black lives matter uh movements and marches and uh, uh, all surrounding the death of george floyd so it's very interesting that we dropped that episode and recorded that episode right around that same time cat dives into kind of her two cents on what the justice system can improve on with uh former drug addicts that are now clean and are still trying to become a decent part of society. Well, and this right here, like, this is something, yeah, like, this part of everything going on right now, I feel very strongly about. I think that there is, there are, there are going to have to be ways that they figure out how to do this because drug addicts, like, part of the problem, like, for example, like, with, with Tony and I, the, the last two times we got arrested, we got arrested in January and May 2016, and the last two times, uh, it was just, like, the last time we were just sitting, we were sleeping in our car, just like in a McDonald's parking lot. We were just sleeping in our car and the, the police came and some, I don't know if somebody called them. I, I, they had been watching us. They, they'd follow us around sometimes because they knew, and we were in a smaller community. So they knew like we were doing, we were up to something, you know, um, cause we were homeless and we were out all the time, but, but yeah, the police came and, and, uh, you know, I don't know if, if we, if there needed to be like armed police, like showing up to that car that we were sleeping in, I mean, maybe because like, who knows who we are, but at the end of the day, like we didn't, we weren't unarmed. We had nothing dangerous besides the drugs. We weren't hurting anyone except for ourselves necessarily. So there is, you know, I have marks on my criminal record that affect the way I live every single day of my life. I'm a convicted criminal felon, which means that I'm not allowed to own a gun. In some states, I'm not allowed to vote. In Illinois, I'm allowed to vote. Um, I have problems getting jobs. I have problems renting anywhere. Um, felons are the only people that you can legally discriminate against in rentals. You can say, oh, you have a criminal felony? I don't want you here. That's mess That's getting my neighborhood dirty. You know, I don't want that, you know? And so felons deal with such, and, and this is like, really relevant, especially because this is another one of those problems that affects black people more than white people on, uh, you know, when you're looking at numbers. So the criminal reform, uh, police reform, getting opportunities for criminal felons rather than getting, uh, getting them in jail and, you know, 
it doesn't do anything. Basically, you throw somebody in jail for six months, then they come out and everything that they had, if they had anything at all, was gone. They have to start over again. And now they have all these, like, you know, marks that are making it harder for them to keep going. And, like, people do get better. And it's like a process, you know? I mean, to me, it's so, so clear. I don't know why it's hard to see this revolving door in, in the judicial system with the... Criminal you know, recidivism. Well, the, the prison complex. I mean, it's just such a clear, obvious... Thing. So I think that there's going to definitely be change. It's already happening. The first step back, the second step back um, that, that just happened. You're working on a justice bill too. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah, it's, there's definitely change happening. So that's exciting. It's just how much and how, how detailed they're going to get. How, how much are they willing to be accountable, like transparent, like we, we fucked up, like we messed up. This is horrible. You know, it's like there's even in the 13th Amendment, if you really read it, it allows for this. It, it enables it. You know what I'm saying? So he's talking about slave labor in, pr in prisons, yeah, which is know, a whole different topic. But but uh, it enables everything before it. It enables the, the you know the, the people getting locked up like just left and right instead of counsel counseled and and treated like a human being and needing help. You know, not a criminal because there are criminals and then there are drug addicts. I know that's that sounds you know taboo, but it's it's the truth. You know that like I was in jail with them. Number seven. 2020 actually got us connections with another great Ohio and Midwestern record label in Tragic Hero Records. And we interviewed a handful of artists under their umbrella and how many acts and how many labels they are connected with, which is super cool. We even got to see in 2020 their studio set up in Cleveland with Superior Sound Studios and our Morning in May episode, which didn't make the top 10, unfortunately, but was still a great episode to do. And all the episodes we have featured and done this year have been phenomenal in each and individual ways. But this best of is just highlighting what you, the listener, have listened to the most. So that's really super cool. Anyway, we dove into one of the great acts under their label with Valleys out of North Carolina, and they released an album called Fearless in 2019. Super rad. And two of the members of the band kind of talked to me uh, during uh, the pandemic over Zoom. And what's really interesting about the album Fearless is they recorded a whole album then they ended up scrapping said album. And the clip I'm going to play uh, kind of highlights the reasoning why they had to scrap an entire album and start from scratch. It just had to be better, man. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. We wrote, uh, we wrote like 10, 12 songs. Um, I don't remember how many it was. It, it, was, a, it was a whole handful. And, and we were kind of ready to like go into the studio and then, I just feel like we were playing them in the practice unit one day and, and just kind of listening to ourselves. And we were like, you know what, like we're our, one of our goals is to try to get signed, you know, get a big feature like that. You know, we had lofty aspirations for the outcome of this. And we were like, these songs just like aren't good enough. Like, let's, you know, let's, let's just keep going. So we wrote like 10 more songs and they were all better. We kind of changed the direction in the process a little bit. Um, we wrote, you know, it was more of like a, the first kind of batch was like uh, myself and the other guitarist, like in a bedroom, you know, kind of coming up with everything. Uh, and we trashed all those and, and it turned into more of like a collaborative, uh, you know, we all were like in the same room writing riffs together, coming up with things like, oh, I like that. Like, I like this. Let's try to do that and put some transitions in there and, you know, just build on on that kind of chemistry. And I think 
the final product speaks for itself. I think it's way better than what we had. Was there something on the previous scrapped album that you wish could have brought into this album? I think everything that, you know, there were like probably three or four riffs from the previous iteration that made it. I think that's all we would have wanted. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I, I mean, there weren't bad songs. It just wasn't, uh, it wasn't like us, you know. It just wasn't right. What was right. the feelings? What was the feelings behind Val uh, of, of Fearless? Like, what was the kind of the ideas about some of the songs? Were there themes? Was there something that people can gravitate towards with this album that you couldn't flesh out in previous stuff? If you're tired of keeping your mouth shut, yeah, that's what it's about, man. Speak your mind. Stand up for the shit you believe in. Don't don't sit there behind a keyboard and type it out. Shout it from the rooftops. Whatever you got to do, mm-hmm. you know, just just be unapologetically you. Number six. Twenty twenty was a huge year for the podcast as we reached one hundred episodes, which was truly something really cool that I really wanted to hit this year. And I actually sped up the amount of episodes that I did this year just so I could reach 100 episodes in 2020. Uh, For longtime listeners of the podcast, I would only really hit two to three episodes a month. But then starting in August, I basically put out an episode once a week. And boy, boy, was that uh, a lot of fun, but also a lot of stress along with that. But one of the great guests that I got to uh, hook up with, which was our 100th guest, Nick DiPiro, uh, guitarist extraordinaire of Night Versus and Head Cave. Such a great dude. So cool to connect with him. Such a really down-to-earth man and a guy that's just... He took this pandemic by the horns and literally rode this thing, putting out Twitch streams, building songs just to put out a Bandcamp for free or pay as you go. And it, it's quite amazing how much work he has done during this time. Even during you know the recording of this Best Of episode, he's working on new stuff with Head Cave and Night Verses. And we actually got to debut a you know, never before heard song from an upcoming uh, album or EP or whatever uh, of Head Cave. So it was super cool to connect with Nick DiPiro. Uh, We delve in a little bit about some of his, you know, some of the people that he liked to listen to and influences, especially when it came to like the new metal music. But we also learned that, you know, he doesn't listen to a lot of music himself. Um, he just likes to create his own stuff and put it out there, which I can absolutely 100% respect. Like West Borland is a huge, uh, influence, especially for like, uh, I feel like his he has a lot of really creative riffs that I think people don't really appreciate. I think they look at Limp Bizkit as like kind of a like a parody of itself, like of new metal and stuff. But really, right. like the music in that band and dude, honestly, Fred Durst, like he's catchy as hell. Like there's a reason why they were so big. But like the riffs and like West Borland's guitar playing and like a lot of that stuff is really cool. And Corn, like I don't know why I didn't mention them, but Corn to me, I think they're like the top tier of new metal and like they like their riffs and like the the amount of creative effects and like ways that they 
have just like background sounds happening that you don't even realize is guitar half the time. Like that shit's cool. And like, there's not a lot of bands that have really touched on what they do as well as they do it at least. And, you know, I always appreciate that as well. And like, I, I love using effects. I have a huge pedal board and like all that stuff. You know, I, I definitely, I wouldn't, it's, it's weird. Cause like I, I love new metal stuff and I, I will talk about it all the time, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like night versus as a whole is like inspired by new metal. But like, I, I think naturally in the back of my head, will probably like be channeling that stuff like without realizing it sometimes. And I think it's a lot of the, it's just that atmosphere. Like so much of that is so what I associate with new metal is just this, like there's always something like happening in the air of the music, whether it's like some weird guitar effects or like, I don't know, like Jonathan Davis had a bunch of layers on his vocals all the time. So there's always like weird stuff there. But yeah, I think, uh, I think new metal is one of the coolest genres of music that doesn't really get, the praise i feel like it deserves i think it gets a little more shit talk than it actually should be i but think I, a I th- lot of cheesy bands too so i don't know i think you're absolutely right and i th- i would feel like corn and like to me corn and lincoln park are like the the oh, lincoln the, park too, the of top course, yeah. the top of the 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 new metal people but they've yeah. also always also evolved and everything over the years uh to, maybe to some really bad to some really good they've always been both ex- uh you know experimental and with the effects and the atmosphere and things like that and like when you go into this world of like prog and post and 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 then you know and maybe even like on uh, like shoegaze and stuff like that like it, yeah. it forms like the idea of like this atmosphere whether there's vocals or not you know your 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 russian circles your american football you know night verses of course you know like they they all these bands like form an atmosphere that makes you stop and listen to music front to back, like how the artist would intel uh, would would want you to do it. As much as the street, and then we've talked about this many of times on the sh- on the podcast and the show. It you know it. it as much as like the streaming machine is great for like connecting and getting hip to like new artists and everything, you know, it hurts the idea of just like the a la carte uh, of listening to music. It, it hurts the idea of like listening to a whole album and learning the whole story, quote unquote, from beginning to end. Dude, I am the worst with that. Uh, <laughs> I so I have a really, really bad habit of when I listen to music especially if it's like uh if it's if it's a heavy band like if i know the band is gonna go into some heavy moments like i will literally skip through songs sometimes just to like like if i'll hear i'll if it's like an intro and like nothing's happening they're just building ambience into something i'll skip that shit oh come on (laughs) i'll skip it i'll go to the first riff of the song and then i'll listen for a sec i'll listen to the verse i'll listen to the chorus and if it seems like it's going back to the verse and chorus again i'll skip to the bridge and i'll listen to the bridge and then I'll listen to the, I'll see what they do to the chorus one more time. And if there's a little space left, that means they probably have an outro riff that's really heavy. So I'll go to that part and I'll like, not every single time, but a lot of times I'll catch myself doing that. You'll it's, dissect a whole song then. It's You're stupid. just dissecting just a song by itself into its parts. It's, it's rude to do probably. If it's a band, like <laughs> if it's a band that I already have like an, Matt's respect for like it's like Carnival puts out a new song I'll listen to the whole song if Tool puts out a new song I'm gonna listen to the entire CD like I did Deftones same thing all these bands like that like I will always listen to their whole song because I know that there's more depth to what they probably went for and it's stuff that has inspired me countless times so I will give them that but a lot of other stuff like it's hard for me to uh to sit and listen to an entire thing if I know the parts are gonna repeat already or if it's like it's something I've already kind of heard a million times and like I just want to get to the the hook of the part or whatever 
Um, and yeah, that's a bad habit though. I don't, I don't say, I don't think other people should probably do that. I feel like I'm just like, for whatever reason, I'm just very cynical with stuff like that. But, uh, I also, to be honest, I don't listen to a lot of music either. So like I, <laughs> I probably am going to sound like a douche on this right now, but I listen to a lot of my own stuff because I'm always working on music. So it's well, rare yeah. that I actually sit and like listen to a record. And because I'm not really like I, my favorite time listening to music is driving. Um, mm-hmm. And so unless I'm doing that, like I'm really I'm at home. I don't really like put on a record very often, which kind of sucks because I do. I feel like sometimes, you know, it's nice to get inspired by other people's work or just shut your head off and just like zone out on something. And there is a lot of value to that. And uh, I'm probably the only one in my band that actually is like this. But I think that like everyone else in my band, like will sit and take time to like take in music and uh, they both draw too. So, I mean, speaking of night versus uh, specifically like Eric and Riley, both are great artists. So like they spend a lot of time drawing and like that's a big passion for them as well. And I think that's a good place to really take in music as well. And uh, I think because I'm always just like in logic myself, like I don't really I don't really like want to hear more music like when i'm done with whatever i'm doing that day like i usually like do something else like i'll you know go like outside or i'll go play freaking call of duty or something like whatever it is number five the fifth most downloaded episode was episode 91 with wild nights toledo ohio's pop punk band and was very interesting it was our return to recording a lot more guests in the studios And while we were all safe, it was so much fun to have a live act in front of me and feed off of everybody's energies, which was super cool. Such great guys that have developed a sound that you may not see a lot of nowadays, but it's come somewhat of a resurgence in the world of emo and pop punk and things like that. So this band, while having different iterations and recorded some different music for it, have really been sitting on the songs they released in 2020 that they released for years now. So it's very interesting to kind of dive into some of those releases this year. We've had these songs for so long. Honestly, all five of those last ones that you Mm -hmm. mentioned, the ones that we dropped in 2019 and 2020, Mm -hmm. we've had, like, the instrumentals have been recorded since 2018. You were still still the bass player when we recorded those. Yeah, I think it was even before 2018. (laughs) Yeah, we we had those songs written in like 2016 2017 yeah. sometime like, i think it was just after we released road to somewhere yeah like it wasn't far after, yeah. so yeah. these songs we've all had in our back pocket for forever and um we were just looking for the right vocalist and turns out he, he was, was already in the band <laughs> yeah it turns out he was here um so yeah so these songs we've had them for forever we finally got to release them and so it's really cool that we can ha- finally have it out but it's definitely weird calling these new songs right because even this latest one all in your head that we dropped in july it it's new to all of you guys but it's so old to us it's insane but the reception has been really dope oh yeah so that's cool but um i don't know if you want to talk more about yeah i just think the weirdest thing like ethan said we wrote the songs like I mean, so long to like 2017, 2018. The vocals have been through like so many renditions. A lot of changes. So just like changes. Well, and then what I was going to say is like the, because we have some, like one of the new songs we're going to play at night that we've written like in the past, you know, six months to a year. But we have a handful of those that are like really fresh songs that like, you know, we've actually all been a part of. And I feel like when a band goes through kind of a sound change, it's like you kind of hear that 
it kind of like, you know, it's not like cut and dry. It's like you kind of hear them move towards it. Yeah, I can see that. Since, since these songs are so old and then we have all these new songs we've written just recently, it's like you have this huge, like, almost like a jump, I feel like. Yeah. Because it's like, nice I mean, song. it's definitely still the Wild Nights sound, but it's almost like you just jump to like a whole new kind of style in there, it's too. It's better. Like, you could you hear yeah. the two years yeah. that yeah. went by. You can hear the growth. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, a, I, there's definitely a big jump in the songwriting style we've done. But it's definitely still the Wild Nights feel, but it's just kind of like a, whoa, this is kind of different. At least when I hear the new ones we've been working on. Is it like more fuller? Is it like more, like, give me give me more a little bit about, like, you know, obviously people are going to listen to it when they when they listen to this episode, hopefully. But, you know, when, when you talk about developing of a band, different members, and like honing the skills, like, explain a little bit more about those who are like not necessarily musically inclined because you, you think like bands when they develop like they, they, they'll try new things and everything but like the maturity idea of a musician and like what they play and how they play if you can try to explain as best you can about all of that um well vocally at least for me my vocals have grown a lot like the first um five or the first five songs that i worked on it was just a collection of all of us writing together and just kind of coming up with lyrics that we thought sounded good and worked but um since then i've i feel like i've stepped into more of a better as like stepped up as a lyricist and a lot of them actually like i can like feel Mm. way harder like they relate to me more personally and hopefully they relate to all you guys more personally um a lot more of just less, a lot less writing about like normal pop punk stuff and more just like what I'm actually feeling, like hopelessness and all sorts of stuff from a lyrical standpoint. I think they have a harder impact um, musically. Emilio might want to step in. It's not yeah. just about, you know, leaving this town, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Not about, well, actually, a little bit though. Still. Yeah. A little bit, of course. And I mean, I think like like musically, um, like like we said, we wrote, like the, the string of songs that have came out over the past year, you know, the six, uh, like Trent said, we wrote those right after our last EP. So I feel like musically, we kind of sort of stayed in that pocket a little bit of what we were familiar with, mm-hmm. just because we just came out of the EP and the songs we did there. So we kind of stayed a little more there. With the new songs, since we kind of had that gap, we were like, we can do whatever we feel like. Let, right. Let's make it pop. Let's make it crazy pop punk. Let's make it heavy. Let's make it light. Let's just do whatever we feel like. And, you know, we have some songs with a little bit of keys, and we're definitely just experimenting more of just doing what Say we, even, like, different chord shapes, yeah, too, like, which, yeah. which has given us, like, a totally different... Not totally different, but, um, a def- like, a... Uh, yeah. A very distinct difference, like, well, you can hear in the tones, too. too. Yeah. We've changed up how, like, a lot of the... You know, we won't... The rhythm's not so cut and dry. And yeah, like, we try to do some, like, weird chords and stuff like that, and then, you know, drum-wise, since Ryan's jumped in, he definitely adds a whole lot of new flavor to it. That's definitely worked. It changes the vibe like in a good way. Mm-hmm. It definitely isn't like the the drums in the past are kind of very straightforward. Ryan, like you said, comes from that heavier background. He has a, a style he brings that like works with kind of our newer sound. And my biggest problem is playing what I just played again. <laughs> <laughs> Something always changes, and that's always been a problem. Number four. Episode 76 with Canadian act Atsuko Chiba was the fourth most listened to episode in 2020. We got connected with them with former guest Loom and the connection with them and the Midwest has been really cool between Loom and Atsuko Chiba. Very interesting act, you know, kind of the essence of a little bit of jazz, a little bit of indie, a little bit of post-rock, a little bit of jam band, you know, 
such a very interesting group of men when it came to Atsuko Chiba. And their album Trace is available now wherever you get your music from. So this clip kind of has us dive into, with a couple of the members of the band, what the process behind Trace was. I mean, I think in general, like the starting point for Trace, like before we really had um, material, or maybe we already started working on stuff, I don't quite remember, but... I think for early on, the um, the main idea behind Trace was that we wanted to do songs that were uh, maybe a bit more concise, like more songs. Whereas before in the past, it would be like the, the tracks in general were, were like a little bit longer. Um, things were a bit spacier. Um, I mean, not that that isn't the case on the albums now, because like from song to song, we really like flowing things and um, like connecting them sonically from one track to the other. And that's still the case on Trace, but I think in general, it was more the idea of doing something a bit more focused um, without necessarily limiting us to too much. But I think that was like the early on, um, I guess like idea that we wanted to kind of try to hold true to us, I guess. Yeah. And some of it was written um, over like, you know, a period of time where we were also playing shows and yeah. writing. So we'd like, you know, we'd do like a month or two of writing a track or two and then play a few shows and then come back to it and like, you know, work on something else. And then kind of like in the end, we just pieced it all together pretty much. So you're, you're, you were going for more of a like a structure in a sense, kind of honing your guys's idea and sound in and, and, and going forward. When you first started getting together, was that you're just like you wanted to kind of go that progressive route, that that jam band that like we don't know where we're going to start or where we're going to end, but we're going to enjoy the ride. And then like as you moved on, you've kind of centered yourself a little bit better. Yeah, I guess that's that's pretty accurate in saying. Yeah, pretty I mean, much. I think, I think like in general, the band's trajectory was kind of following that uh, that way of thinking. You know, it's like even uh, in terms of our gear, for example, like when we first started touring and when the band was uh, maybe a bit younger, um, we all had massive pedal boards. You know, there's there's three guitar players on the band, a bass player, drums. Um, since. So, since, you know, so there was like a lot of gear on stage and you know we do our own uh, projections uh, and lights as well oh, wow. so there's a lot of stuff to lug around you know and i think um always in the back of our mind we tried to like refine things smaller pedal boards smaller gear um more concise more like only the things that we really need you know and i think trace was like a just like a natural extension of that that ethos from the beginning you know? Yeah, and I think when we wrote Trace, we were in that mindset. That's not to say oh, like, the next album will you know, be exactly that. It's just that when we were writing that, we're like, ah, oh, let's try doing this now. Yeah. And we kind of just went for that, and we did that, basically. Like doing more with less, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I like, I like, I like the idea, and I like how you, know, you can flow from one song to another, but you know a start and an end to a song, so the, they, they can be separate. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, the radio guy in me, you can, you can, can single out, okay, this could be a single or this is how you release it, you know, or, or like somebody who does PR, you know, you, you can understand like where the, the idea of the single is, and then in the grand scheme of things, it still fits. And I feel like that's always good for post-rock or post anything, or, you know, these, mm -hmm. this type this type of music is that, 
you're you're getting people not to get used to just a song. It is yeah. one piece of a bigger picture. While a exactly. lot of bands, a lot of bands will go single here, single here. Oh, here's the grand album, and it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Like this, this forces you to listen to something front to back instead of skipping from song to song. Yeah, well, we're we're fans of that process. Like we're fans of albums. Like we all grew up loving full length albums. Like we yeah. were never like people who just like one song off one album. Usually, when we like the band, it's like. We're into the whole album, and we like the album as the piece that it is, right? I mean, to like me, a, it's like more a, fun to experience it that way, right? Like, yeah. Number three. Episode 75 with Portland, Oregon's own Coastlands was the third most listened to episode, thanks to all of you, in 2020. Coastlands was one of those bands that I connected with thanks to the post-festival, thanks to the post-rock scene, and was very excited to connect with all of them. Their album, Death, they released in 2020, highly regarded as a great post-rock release, and one of my personal favorites of the year. Definitely want you to go check that out after you're done listening to us. We kind of dove in to the kind of the history of the Portland, Oregon scene and how the development of Coastlands came to be. It kind of happened naturally. So I started, like, I had more of a, it was like, I I don't know. It was just a, I had like a project of my own. And then my friend Nick started playing and he was already like way into explosions in the sky and that was maybe 2005, 2006 or something like that. He was, he was way into them and he came over. I was, I mean, I was still living at home at the time and he came over and showed me that and was like, Oh, we should try and implement some of this into your music a little bit. Cause I, I was doing, it was more just like singer songwriter, uh, indie, whatever like like everyone else was in portland and and he was kind of introduced like he brought over his guitar and like some of the pedals that he got and we kind of started doing that and that's i feel like that's what i sort of just dove into everything because i i heard like what it could be and then him showing me stuff that he was playing i was like whoa that's actually kind of like that's the sound it's like you don't really know what you're looking for until you see it and you're like oh that's that's what i've been looking for to implement in it you know it, it always seems like it's one of the, you know, it's Explosions in the Sky, it's Oh Brother, it's the Appleseed Cast, it's American Football, it's Russian Circles. Like, I feel like if you made, like, a post-rock, like, Mount Rushmore, <laughs> there's usually the five that I think a lot of a lot of acts and a lot of bands, like, kind of float to. Yeah. I saw this band um, that really, like, kicked it off for me. I think it was in 2006 or so. They were called Constance. Um, they're from Boston and they were on this like tour around the whole U S and they were in like this veggie oil fueled school bus that they converted. And it was like, they called it space rock and it had like vocals, but I remember seeing them at this weird DIY venue and they had like their own light show and they had these like really pretty parts. And they would also have these like really crushingly heavy mathy parts. And it like totally blew my mind. And I was like, man, I need to, I need to be in a band that's like this big, big, heavy, spacey, but like Constance and uh, Junius, like totally wow. like, so good. Man, I need to be, this is the music that I, that I love. So neither of those bands are actually instrumental, but like, 
like of course explosions in the sky was one of my favorites around the same time but those two bands were like out there like touring their asses off and like playing to smaller crowds when they came to seattle but then i'd see them go to europe and play to like these massive crowds and it was it was inspiring it was like these guys they're just like doing it and they can play to 15 people in seattle one year and then come back and play to a bunch more and I think that's also like fascinating. Just like the dunk, the dunk festival is just amazing to me. You guys had the opportunity to play that. Um, can you can you tell me some of your time there? Fuck, that was mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was insane. It was like everybody you've ever wanted to hang out with and play for was there. It was just it was just kind of surreal. It felt surreal the whole time. It was like, yeah, there's ma- there's magic there. It's, yeah, totally. it, it's a really special place. Yeah, I, I cross off like the top two things on my bucket list from that. Like, I wanted to play. My ultimate dream was to like play in Europe, and then other dream was to like play a festival in Europe. And when these guys needed a drummer for the tour, I was like, a, a fucking course, I'm gonna do that. It's ending at Dunkfest, and it's like what everybody, what every musician dreams about. Like, it's this super cool unique festival in a fucking field and everyone is cool as hell there's no drama and it was like it felt like um not real because it was like in the states you don't really get appreciated very much but like it felt like like holy shit these people really really like this and they're into it and you just feel the love more there i guess for me Number two. Episode 74 of the podcast was with Jared Gabriel of the band Ranges. Ranges is not only one of my favorite post-rock acts uh, to date, but also very excited to talk to a man that came from Bozeman, Montana and moved across country, now residing in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm so glad that him and his world, personal and professional, are doing well, especially what a terrible year Ed has been, and it was one of the very first episodes that I did recording at home. Now, the quality is not the best. Now that I look back and uh, I kind of, you know, highlight some of these episodes, I could have done that episode a lot better. But I didn't know some of the uh, tips and tricks that I did right in the beginning. I was uh, trying to uh, foray in the uh, the world of home recording. So uh, that was the only thing I, I didn't like about that episode. But the whole episode by itself. Such great talks of such a very intelligent guy when it came to the world of music. We kind of talked a little bit about some of his fears when he performs in music, but also diving into the world of ranges. And that's such, when I talk about art and music, that is a band that kind of takes all of the senses together when it comes to living and art and put them into uh, music. So we kind of dove into that world with him. Yeah, I have I have extreme extreme stage fright. Like every every show, I have like an anxiety attack before I go on. So the only way for me to go out there and do it is to kind of forget where I'm at and just feel the music and just do it that way. Um, or and and a lot of time it makes me look like a, a weirdo on stage, you know, playing these these simple parts like re- really aggressively. But that's just yeah, that's just the way I have to do it. So where when when you jumped in, 
where was your point of view while building some of these albums? Because like in the past, it's all these like small EPs. And when I say small, I put the in quotations because I, I believe um, If I Were the Devil is one track that was like 20 some minutes. Uh, that's so, night and day. Yeah, night and day. Yeah, oh, night, night and day. Yeah, night and day is, yeah, is, uh, is, is that, that to me was like, when I heard they were doing that, I, I thought that was really, that was really cool. I remember when No Effects came out with a, with an EP and it was like a 60 minute song and, uh, but it was just a straight through. I, I remember rushing out and grabbing it right away because I just thought it was such a unique idea. So night and day was, was really cool. It was just a continuous fluid thing um and to me it's just it's artsy man it's weird um i just like to i like music that's a little weirder um, a little darker as an edge to it um and and can be expressive in a way that normal um i guess what you quote unquote pop structure isn't um my goal in 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 the weird music is try to as maybe cliche or not, maybe not cliche, but maybe selling out is how do you meld the weirdness with the, like the Beatles song structure? Like, how do you, how do you make that the pop work with the, the weird that, that, and that's where I come at these. I'm pretty sure that like more and more music when it comes out is either goes one of two ways. And it, it doesn't seem like there's a middle ground. It's either they go super structured, much like a lot of pop music and everything. And then you just, just go off the deep end on the other side of the spectrum. So it seems right. like there's no like middle ground and also all genres are starting to, you know, mesh together. You yeah. know, they're the genres. And I've spoken this before in past episodes, genres are only in the sense of like media and PR and right. stores to organize their, their, you know, their products. That's right. It. Genres, genres don't really exist anymore. Well, I mean, the genre thing is cool. Like I, I like being part of a scene when it comes to making friends and bands that you can relate to. Um, but genres don't really affect me much. Cause that's for fans to decide. Like, I don't, you know, like if we're post rock, that's cool. Like post rock is dope. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily like want to fit there or need to fit anywhere. Like you look at the Deftones and they came out in um, the kind of new metal, but they've made a name for themselves across multiple genres of music. Um, you had skater hardcore kids on the West coast listening to them. There was hip hop guys listening to them. So it didn't really matter what the genre was and they didn't really care. And it allowed them to make, better music because of it i think so like yeah post-rock is dope and i love being part of the scene of post-rock but as far as the genre is concerned that doesn't mean much to me um because i want to be open to experimenting with all sorts of stuff musically um and not just kind of pigeonholed in like what post-rock is supposed to sound like like i mean like you said like post-rock sometimes does have vocals and that's cool. Like it doesn't need to be instrumental all the time. Number one, the number one episode of 2020. Thanks to you was episode 73. And it was a mix signals episode. Mix signals is my secondary show that I pull out maybe once every quarter. That is a panel based episode that I bring in four to five people of different walks of life and, you know, kind of talk about one subject. And this subject, when I did right at the height of the pandemic, uh, in the, at least 
when I say height, I mean the beginning of it, uh, was all about design and creation. So I had members of Stupid Rad Merch Company. I had Midwestern Work Ethic, Flesh and Bone Design, Oxy Zero Design, and Relentless Merch all come together kind of talking about creating brands, creating art, and how it reflects into the world of music and musical projects. It was a very interesting episode, bringing together all these different types of people and having them all talk about this side, the business side a little bit of music and branding and putting stuff out there. You were kind of early on my, I would say my process on how I do things now, like especially when you're trying to get a likeness out of somebody. Because that was when I first got my iPad, uh, when I started playing with uh, Procreate. Now, basically, yes, I will trace the outline. But what I want is I want to try to get my little uh, style in on the face while trying to make it look alike. So, yes, I'll get the shape there. But then everything else is going to have to be freehand. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's tricky. Um, with, with me, I, I would like to do more different things. But what happens with, because I've been doing this as long as I have, and also everything I do um, starts from a drawing, and then I'll, I'll make a photocopy of that drawing, and then I'll ink kind of all my hard lines and figure out where my color breaks are going to be. I just like, and I know tons of people are like, that is like the longest process for... Because then after I do the inking and I find my color breaks, I'll scan it in and I'll redraw it all in Adobe Illustrator. And I don't have like, I don't have a tablet or, uh, or like a stylus or anything. Like everything is like with a, with a mouse and point, click, point, click, drag, Bezier curve, that sort of thing. If any, anybody on this panel is familiar with, uh, there's a guy named Hydro 74, who's a graphic designer, pretty like bigger guy in like the gaming industry he's done a bunch of stuff for halo and star wars and stuff like that but that's that's actually the same way he does everything and when you see what he does his is far beyond what what i do um going back to the original question though is um i would like to do more things but because i guess i have a style that's like recognizable most of the people that come to me are like, Hey, I want this thing, but I want your version of it. So they want me to draw it in the style that they're so accustomed to seeing with, there's been very few instances where somebody's handed me reference and been like, Hey, can you kind of like go this route with, you know, whether it looks like an old, like, like woodblock cut or whether it looks like an old like litho print or you know whatever the whatever the given style is um it, it's usually always people who have gravitated towards the work that i've done for either stupid rad or one of the breweries i worked for or smugglers coffee and been like hey i'm getting ready to do this podcast or this or whatever I want a logo in like, and I usually always ask them, I was like, you know, what are you looking for? I was like, now, do you want my version of this or do you have something in your head? Do you have like, you know, uh, you know, do you have, do you have references? Do you have, you know, a, a lot like, uh, 
a lot like what he was saying was uh, I ask a ton of questions. So then that way, neither of us are really wasting each other's time. You try and like qualify each other through like a series of like either conversations or emails back and forth to make sure that like, A, you're on the same page and then also you're not wasting each other's time. I started out primarily just fixing other people's garbage uh, with Relentless. It was, I didn't really expect to be a graphic designer by any means. I went to school for music, wanted to work at a record label, you know, like I kind of fell into it and now I do, um, with more creative side, it's I'll either be like, okay, like send me over your reference, like give me some like specific details of what you like specifically like. Cause, um, in the, the band scene realm, which is, is most of the stuff I actually design creatively for, uh, it could be like, you know, those 2020, like futuristic designs that everybody's kind of, you know, vomiting out, but you just try to make it look original and cool. Um, and then I just kind of, uh, there's stuff that I do illustration. There's stuff that I use basically collage together, old art that I like retraced, um, kind of a little bit of everything. I don't know. It's basically whatever the uh, client wants. And, um, I don't know. Sometimes it's not really like up to what I want. And it's like, I just kind of make cool shit and hope for the best, you know? At this point in time, I've probably channeled my avenues down to five or six very specific routes. And if clients are reaching out to me, they're wanting to go down one of those five or six routes. And right from the get-go, with them shooting my own references back to me, I know exactly which mindset I need to get in for that. But yeah, I do a lot of, like I'm not an illustrator in any way, shape or form. I've never illustrated a thing in my life and have no idea how. Um, So I do essentially just fancy collage work most of the time. And uh, yeah, so one of the main routes is just stuff dealing with old engravings and woodcuts. Another route is like the anarcho crust punk type look. Uh, I do a lot of the 70s and late 60s, mid-century type vibe, acid folk, psychedelic, that sort of thing. Uh, I do a lot of the retrofuturism, the modern day streetwear hype nonsense. Um, and yeah, like some of the monoline symmetrical type things. But I guess if there's a through line to your original question of how you'd put a spin on it, most everything I do is, I don't want to say textured, but aged. I, I don't like clean lines. I don't do much of anything with like very, very clean vectored shapes, that sort of thing. Like everything I have for most people has a, a bit bit of a bit of a worn edge to it. But but yeah, I mean if people are reaching out to me, they know what they're getting into. And if it's something that I'm incapable of doing, I immediately send them to someone I know who is capable of doing it. Simeon, you're more of the 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 somewhat of the idea man, not necessarily the creation, but then you also execute these designs. Hey, we have this design. We want this on a shirt, sweatshirt, you know, enamel pin. You know, do do is there like a certain design that you always will like always get really excited to put on something or do you kind of have to work with everybody again the client's element if the client has a design and they want this on a certain thing but you kind of when you make it it looks kind of terrible 
you know, do you try to recommend something different, kind of steer them in a different direction, or do you just kind of like the client wants the client wants? Um, so for like super rad stuff, like Matt, he's he comes up with everything. Like he knows what looks good on everything, which is awesome. I'll take I'll take it and like throw it on some different stuff sometimes. Um, and you know, be like, Oh dude, like check out this koozie I made with that design or check out, you know, whatever. Like I make such random stuff all the time, dude. Like I my new thing is like phone cases. I would show you my phone case that I'm talking on my phone right now. Um I have the when Simeon Simeon downplays it too. He like he does a lot of he comes up with a lot of ideas. You know, a lot of times it'll be like him and I going back and forth, or me maybe coming up with an idea, or him coming up with an idea, and then like one the other one will run with it, and then like the whole when we did the whole like black and yellow like the black and yellow release like that was all Simeon, and then yeah like his koozie he's got right now is like the this the stupid rad skull like merge with like the miss like our version of like the misfits stupid rad skull but then yeah he like put it oversized on a koozie so it's like he does a bunch of maybe he's not the one sitting down physically drawing it or figuring out okay like how can i morph this white claw can into something that sort of like goes on brand with stupid rad but he'll do a lot of other just like he'll put his like little fingerprint or thumbprint on stuff that I'll sort of like start and plant the seed. Yeah. With. It's like and dumpster fire, throw it on a lighter. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it was never meant to be on a lighter, but I mean, it's a perfect, perfect thing for it to be on. And it was a perfect time to release that too, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in. All the episodes you can find now on all major podcast platforms. If you have an opportunity to leave us a review and subscribe, please do so. Follow us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OnTheRadarPC. We have a huge 2021 ahead of us. We're already starting to reach out to acts and guests for 2021. We're going to kick episodes off again in February, but keep your eyes and ears peeled. I'm not going to be quiet in January fully as I'm going to be a guest on a handful of podcasts across the world. Yes, across the world, not just here locally in Northwest Ohio, but across the world. And I'm very excited to share a lot of these episodes with you. So stay in touch with us. Keep an eye and ears peeled on everything. Go support great music however you can. Stream them, buy a shirt, buy a physical album, whatever you can do. And also, hopefully, some of these venues and stages will stick around throughout all of this and we can see and be together again in the world of music. I am Peapod, you are you. Thanks so much for listening in 2020 to the On The Radar Podcast. <laughs>